0: Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God.
1: This evening we're going to be in 2 Kings chapter 15, and the last time we saw well, we learned about King Amaziah who was considered a good king, uh, but really sad is he brought so much suffering to his nation due to decisions that weren't prayed through, um, suffering from pride. And it's really sad, you know, when a believer is just gets off the path. Maybe they look at their accomplishments or whatever and they get themselves in a bind. And this was not a good situation for Amaziah, but it could have been avoided. Tonight we're going to look at some treachery and assassination as a result of the northern kingdom of Israel pushing God out of society. And we're going to look at this kind of roller coaster. We're going to start with the southern kingdom with a good king. We're going to look at some bad kings in a northern kingdom. Then we're going to finish on a high note with the southern kingdom with another good king. So we'll bear with me on this. <laughs> so we're going to look at 2 Kings chapter 15. So i would verse 1. It says, In the 27th year of Jeroboam, king of Israel, he's in the north, Azariah, the son of Amaziah, king of Judah, in the south, becomes king. He was 16 years old when he became king, and he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jechaliah of Jerusalem, and he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah had done." except that the high places were not removed, the people still sacrificed and burned incense on the high places. Then the Lord struck the king so that he was a leper until the day of his death. So he dwelt in an isolated house, and Jotham, the king's son, was over the royal house, judging the people of the land. So when we look at this, we see that, um, can you tell me, does anybody know, uh, king Azariah, what his name is also in the book of Isaiah? Uh, king Uzziah. Remember Isaiah 6? He's this really popular king, Uzziah, who's also Azariah. He perishes and you know, Isaiah gets this incredible vision of the Lord and it prompts him to serve. It shows that all is not lost. You know, Don't put your trust in a person. So when we look at Uzziah or Azariah, what we find is was he was a good guy, but he wasn't thorough. And it's really neat to look at the kings to see that even the ones that were named good were not thorough. All right, um, They were human. Verse 5, it said that God struck him with leprosy. Why? Well, we have to consult with Second Chronicles 26, which is a parallel stri- uh, scripture to understand this. So the king, he's very accomplished, and unfortunately he probably looks too much on his own accomplishments, and he becomes lifted up with pride, and he goes into the temple to burn incense, um, which was only lawful for the priest to do. He's a, he's a king, but he decides he wants to take the office of priest as well. It wasn't his to take, and the priests see what's going on. Now remember, the king had ultimate authority. He could have executed whoever he wanted. And a bunch of priests say, no, you can't come in here, and they try to push him out, and the Bible says that he rages against the priest and there's an altercation. And all of a sudden, you know, Uzziah is not taking no for an answer, and he breaks out with leprosy on his forehead, which is what we know today as Hansen's disease. It's still in parts of the world. It's treatable with a triple antibiotic, but they didn't have that back then. Either way, this was the punishment that he had. Um, I just wonder, would we have the courage that the priests had you know, to see something so wrong, so blasphemous? Um, again, they took their life in their hands by doing this, but you know what? They honored God, and, and God honored them for it. But this is a great example of Proverbs sixteen eighteen, that says, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Again, this person is accomplished. They're talented, and they allow that to intoxicate them. It's also a good example of those that start well, but don't finish well. It's a a shame. I think uh, he reigned for, what, 52 years? Uzziah, very popular king, very accomplished. The people love him. But he ended terrible. Um, A leper, alone, isolated, quarantined from the rest of society. You know, and today, you know, you see a lot of shooting stars. And they're all, they're excited for the Lord, excited, excited, and... You know, a lot of them fizzle out, unfortunately. You know, what do we want our legacy to be? How do we want to finish, you know? Um, People come and go. Who's still serving the Lord? Who's still in it? But what was the big deal with this whole... uh, We have to kind of delve into it a little bit deeper. Uh, God's people, especially the leaders, uh, there was a king, priest, prophet... And they were three separate offices, and they didn't combine, except in limited occasions with priest and prophet. But it definitely wasn't for the king. And we almost seem to have modeled our form of government after some of these separations in the scripture, not to give one man or one group of people too much power. You know, we have the executive branch, we have the judicial branch, we have the legislative branch, also three that have three distinct powers that are supposed to be check and balances for each other. Again, Uzziah was full of pride, and this is why he did it. Jesus was actually the only person, of course, being fully God and fully man, that satisfied all three offices of king, priest, and prophet. Nobody else could do that. Okay, but again, he was God in in flesh, in human flesh. And I tell you what, Pastor Vinny and I actually were having a discussion Sunday after service, about something and this is interesting we all know the big ones you know what shouldn't we do you know this killing is obvious stealing from somebody it's obvious is something we shouldn't do but sometimes it takes maturity well it does take maturity as a believer to know that something may look good right it's not harmful it may be even look godly but it's not in God's will you know what i'm saying so, to Uzziah, in his pride, he was self deceived. He thought, Well, I'm going to go in there, and I'm going to listen. I can't speak for his mens rea, his mental state, but what he did was he did go in, and he might have thought, Well, I'm, I'm going to do this too for the Lord. Um, his first clue that he shouldn't have been in there was the priest trying to oppose him, and then he becomes enraged. So, you could tell that his heart wasn't right, but he was self deceived about something that looked good, but it was way out of God's will. And that's something only with maturity as a Christian, we can see that, oh, that does look good, but I really don't think that's God's will for my life. There was a pastor who uh, went all the way to Europe, thought he was supposed to speak at a conference, and in the middle of the night, God woke him up and said, you don't belong here, go home. (laughs) And He flew all the way home, didn't speak at the conference. I don't remember exactly, he didn't say why or how he found out that that wasn't in God's will, but he thought this was a great idea. God told him, <laughs> go get a ticket and go home. Go home early, you're not speaking at that conference. Very interesting. Um, we also see that God is not swayed by popularity. If Probably if you took, you know, if, uh, if Barna Group or any of these guys were out there, hey, Israelites, Judites, you know, what do you think of uh, Uzziah? Hey, we all think 93% think he's a wonderful king. God wasn't swayed by that popularity. Second Chronicles 26 tells us a little bit more. In verse 5 it says, Quote, as long as he, Azariah, sought the Lord, God made him prosper. What a great lesson for all of us. Again, it's that principle, are we honoring God? Right? We honor God, God honors us. Now, today, unfortunately, it means something different than what the scripture says. Some teachings will say, well, if you honor God, God will give you that Mercedes-Benz that you've always wanted. That's a little ridiculous, but some well-meaning believers really believe this stuff. That's not what it means. Okay? Uh, But, Azariah was honored in in that his prospering was good for the nation. So God used him as a vessel to bless the Israelites. Verse 15, he did a lot. He was a a farmer. (laughs) He was industrial, right? He made weapons of war. The Bible tells us in uh, verse 15, he made catapults and mechanized bows to shoot arrows. And uh, he was dealing with a depressive state in the military when he took over. So the man had an incredible resume. But it didn't matter. He got lifted up with pride and it destroyed him. Verse 16 says, But when, quote, but when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. You know, that's a place I just never want to be. You know, I mean, God has blessed me with a lot of gifts and talents, and, you know, I don't want to get to that point where in my mind, my ego is so inflated that it destroys me. You know, and and it's really good to, to fellowship, to be. Um, in church, to be with other believers so that we can kind of bounce things off of each other. You know, if you really have a good friend who's a Christian, sometimes they might say to you, whoa, 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 that's a crazy idea, you know what I'm saying? A true friend will tell you these things. Not a good idea. And if, you're, if we're honest with ourselves, we've had good Christian friends that have spared us from doing things that we shouldn't be doing in our self-deception. I want to read a little bit of a contrast in the New Testament 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7, the Apostle Paul. Now, he receives these incredible, um, you know, taken up into third heaven. He does miracles through Paul's hands, and he he sees visions, and he sees paradise. And verse 7, it says, "...and lest for fear I should be exalted above measure..." By the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, right to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me in in this speculation of what it was, but nobody knows for sure. And he, the Lord said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. And let me just clarify that a little bit more. God is saying, my strength, many a times, is made perfect in your weakness, in my weakness. Because then he can use us as a, as a willing vessel. You know, when we're too accomplished and we're too prideful, God's like, I'm really trying to use you, but man, you're like a stubborn donkey. And listen, I've been there. <laughs> so, um, And he's, listen, he's given us free will. Are we going to let him use us or are we not? He continues, Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches, in needs and persecutions in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Very different principle than what the kings were experiencing a lot of times. It really took a lot for some of these kings to be good kings because of the unchecked power that they had. Continue on, verse 6. Now the rest of the acts of Azariah and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Judah? So Azariah rested with his fathers, and they buried him with his fathers in the city of David. Then Jotham, his son, reigned in his place. Jotham is a good guy, but we're going to switch the channel now to the northern kingdom of Israel. Remember, Israel, northern kingdom, ten tribes. Judah, southern kingdom, two tribes. Two tribes, Jerusalem is in there as well. Verse eight, in the 38th year of Azariah, king of Judah, Zechariah, the son of Jeroboam, reigned over Israel and Samaria six months. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord as his fathers had done. He did not depart from the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel sin. Then Shalom, the son of Jabesh, conspired against him and struck and killed him in front of the people. And he reigned in his place. Now the rest of the acts of Zechariah indeed they are written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Israel. This was the word of the Lord, which he spoke to Jehu, saying, Jehu's famous for killing Jezebel and two wayward kings. Uh, your sons shall sit on the throne of Israel to the fourth generation, and so it was. So the reign of Zechariah, if we could put up the chart of the kings, because now you've got these names flying all over the place, we'll keep this up. So this is uh, this is... Israel over here, this is the line of the kings, and this is Judah over here, okay? So Jehu killed two kings and Jezebel, and his sons, God promised him, would sit to the fourth generation. Jehoahaz, Joash, Jeroboam II, and Zechariah. Over here, we're dealing with uh, Amaziah, right? His son Azariah, who's also Uzziah, and Azariah's son Jotham. We'll keep that up for a little while. Verse 10, <laughs> the reign of Zechariah in Israel. So not only the king was assassinated, but his assassination was done in front of the people. Now, assassin- listen, assassinations are terrible. But this goes, you, goes to show you how bad society was when assassinations were usually done in private. This assassination was done in front of everybody. That's how depraved Israel was at this time. There's a little lesson in here as well. And maybe you don't have friends that are going to assassinate you, but um, listen, especially to believers. This guy wasn't a believer, but to believers, be careful of the crowd that you run with. They may not have your best interests at heart. Again, a good Christian friend, male, female, is going to tell you when you're wrong. They're going to love you enough to do that. A good Christian friend, male, female, is going to support you when you really become devoted to the Lord. Um, a friend who's a fleshy friend is going to get irritated when you put, you know, step up your game in serving the Lord. Again, it's how do we how do we choose our friends? Well, these people ran with assassins. Um, you know, must have been an interesting sleeping. Uh, you know, we probably had guards or whatever. But I just I don't know. I can live that life. But verse 12, <laughs> sin clouds judgment. Verse 12 again, Zechariah ends the reign of Jehu. Verse 13, continuing on. Shalom, the son of Jabesh, became king in the thirty ninth year of Uzziah, king of Judah, and he reigned a full month in Samaria. (laughs) Full month. For Menachem, the son of Gadai, went up from Tirzah, came to Samaria, and struck Shalom, the son of Jabesh, in Samaria, and killed him. And he reigned in his place. Now the rest of the acts of Shalom and the conspiracy with which he led Indeed, they are written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Israel. So, the reign of Shalom, okay, this one is, this guy only reigns for a month and he's assassinated. Um, you have to wonder, why would anybody want to be a king of Israel back then? You know, you, you had a, a short life expectancy. But again, it's the, the sin deceives and also the quest for power, you know, power and glory. I don't want to live that life. Um, But what we see is that God, again, is removing his protective hand from society. And I've often said that God is the glue that holds society together. We're noticing this in our country. The more our nation and our culture pushes God out, the more you have divisiveness, and it's everywhere. People are divided by gender, by race, by political party. I mean, we find new and exciting ways in our culture of how we can not like somebody next to us because of some type of difference. That's sad. The gospel brings people together. Pulling God out of the picture causes society to crumble. Fear, paranoia, all those type of things start to... It's a power vacuum. Um, There's also a a scripture in Proverbs 26, Proverbs 26, 27, Pastor Paul went through the Proverbs. Uh, It says, Whoever digs a pit will fall into it, and he who rolls a stone will have it rolled back on him. It's pretty, you know... Listen, Haman had made the gallows, right, for, uh, for Mordecai, and he was hung on his own gallows. So people that devise evil, it's kind of like the biblical version of what goes around comes around. You know what I'm saying? But it, these are great warnings in Scripture. Digging a pit. I mean, seriously. Certainly we shouldn't be doing that as believers, trying to plot somebody's demise. Um, or roll a stone and think it's going to roll on somebody else and it falls on you. I mean these are word pictures, but you can understand the meaning behind it. And these guys live like this and they're associates. You know, I, I think what's really cool a lot of times is I meet people that are in the world that that come to Christ and it's refreshing to be able to trust somebody. Like their their background, their family, their friends, their associates, and it's like they just want to change the pace. It's like it's like the swimming in, in the ocean with a bunch of sharks and you're bleeding. You know, you just want to get out of that environment to be around somebody that you can trust and let your guard down with and be vulnerable. So I'm I'm looking at that. What do we what do we have here? Verse sixteen, it says, Then from Tirzah Menachem attacked Tifshah, all who were there and its territory, because they did not open it to him. Therefore he attacked it and he And all the women there who were with child, he ripped open. In the 39th year of Azariah, king of Judah, Menachem, the son of Gadai, became king over Israel and reigned 10 years in Samaria. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not depart all his days from the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who had made Israel sin. So the reign of Menachem, things are just getting worse. Um, It's disturbing to read you know, I mean, um, you know, it's it's not pretty picture. It's it's evil, and the Bible expresses it so that we could see the depths of the evil that these people plunged into. I also have no tolerance for preachers who tiptoe around the Bible like there's landmines. They only find the sweet portions, and they and that's the way they preach: positive message, positive message. Positive messages are great. You're going to find at the end it's very positive. But when you do that, you don't give the whole counsel of God. And life is not like that. You know? I'm sure you, you, you've you come in here since, since Sunday and something's happened in your life. Something sad. Something bad news. You know, to always come up here. And I just think that it's, it's, not, it's not real preaching. You know, you have to go through the scripture. Because the Scripture will express to us what, it, what is a reflection of real life. That there's good and there's bad. You know? And when we go through a difficult time, if we're only encouraged all the time, it's not realistic. Then we think there's something wrong with us or God doesn't love us. You know what I'm saying? So, I don't like that type of preaching. But, you've got to go through the whole Scripture. Verse 19. It says, Pull king of Assyria, Pul was another name for Tiglath-Peleser, came against the land and Menachem gave Pul a thousand talents of silver that his hand might be with him to strengthen the kingdom in his hand. And Menachem exacted the money from Israel, from all the very wealthy, from each man 50 shekels of silver to give to the king of Assyria. So the king of Assyria turned back and did not stay there in the land. Now, the rest of the acts of Menachem and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Israel? So Menachem rested with his fathers, then Pekahiah, the son, his son, reigned in his place. Now, the godly kings like Hezekiah and Josiah and those awesome kings, David prayed to God when there was a threat. But Menachem had no God. Well, he had God, but he rejected him. So his answer was to um, take money from his people and pay, um, you know, ransom money basically to Assyria. And this is where the, our Wednesday study now this is very interesting because in the next few Wednesdays, it's going to actually parallel with I, our Isaiah study. So you're going to learn a whole lot about the Assyrian Empire, the Babylonians and uh, things that happened pretty much three uh, millennia ago. But Menachem, again, because he had no God and he refused to repent, took money from his own people and gave, you know, go away money to Assyria so that they would leave the Israelites alone, but that was only short lived. You know, we continue on. And here's this guy. He's, to me, he's a coward because he does these horrible things when he invades and, you know, the brutality that he exacts, but he runs like a little coward when the Assyrians uh, come in. Unfortunately, the world is filled with people like that. They're bullies, and it's only until they're stood up to, they they just crumble. And this is one of those examples. Verse 23, In the 50th year of Azariah, king of Judah, Pekahiah, the son of Menachem, it's actually Menachem, (laughs) it doesn't come out that way in the English, became king over Israel and Samaria and reigned two years. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord, and he did not depart from the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel sin. Then Pekah, the son of Ramalia, an officer of his, conspired against him and killed him in Samaria, which is the capital of the northern kingdom, in the citadel of the, king, the king's, king's, house, king's house, house, along with Arga, Aria, And with him were 50 men of Gilead. He killed him and reigned in his place. Now the rest of the acts of Pekahiah and all that he did Indeed, they are written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Israel. If we look at the um, the kings here, up here, you know, you have Saul is up here, and then David, and then Solomon. And Solomon was such a, a jerk <laughs> that after Solomon, the kingdom split into two. Um, so here you have again the south. Here you have the north. But Jeroboam one was evil. He instituted calf worship, really weird, into the northern kingdom. He actually got a lot of the Israelites to start following paganism. So it keeps mentioning Jeroboam because he's like the father of really bringing this awful paganism into the land. Not a great thing to be known by and I'm going to say that where he is right now, he probably regrets it. But this is this is where we're going. Uh, first, So what happens is Uh, Pekahiah is now reigning. Again, another evil man. This guy's assassinated by one of his officers. (laughs) So, I mean, if you understand military, police structure, there's got to be some type of camaraderie. There has to be that type of esprit de corps. And here's a guy, his own officers um, kill him. And again, this is when you play in Satan's playground and you play with treacherous people. Don't be surprised when you get burned. Um, You know, so here's the question that I'm going to ask, if somebody doesn't ask it, (laughs) is why would God allow these evil men to rule? Has anybody been thinking of that? Good, I'm glad I I asked it before you did. Uh, But there's a principle that the leaders were reflective of the culture, right? Now, this is an interesting principle because if you go back to Samuel the prophet, right, You know, he's the prophet. God speaks to the prophet. Prophet talks to the people. That's how it works back then. And Samuel says to the people, you know, God wants to directly rule over you. And the people respond, we don't want God to rule over us. We want a king like all the other nations. And Samuel's like, you know, you really got to be careful what you ask for because, you know, king will come in and he's a, a human versus God just leading us. He's gonna exact taxes from you. He's gonna send your young men into the military. Your daughters are gonna be you know, serving him in his palace. But the people said, uh, we want a king. So Samuel's kind of bummed out about it. That's my paraphrase. And he goes to God and God says, don't worry, Samuel, they haven't rejected you. They've rejected me. So that the first, that's the first problem. Um, sinful men were now ruling over the nation when God ruled over them directly. Okay, so there's one reason. Another reason is sometimes, and we're gonna we're gonna read this in Isaiah. It's God's judgment for an unrighteous um, culture. Gotta wonder where we are today. There are some preachers today that are, if you you know, that are very h- harsh, but when you listen to them, what they say really makes sense. There's one guy, Paul Washer, and he says <laughs> about Joel Osteen. He says, Joel Osteen is God's judgment on America. He said, so many Americans want to hear what he has to say, so there you go. Let this guy rise to power. And I tell you what, I, I've painfully listened to some of his messages because I don't want to speak from ignorance. And you, you see the camera pan, and everybody has this glazed glazed look on their face. like, And they all have the same look. It's a little weird, but... I suppose if you're getting syrup every day, you get a sugar high, you know what I'm saying? Uh, but, you know, this is, it, it's a reflection. You know, God's word is true. God's word hurts sometimes. It convicts. But a lot of American Christians don't want it. You know, churches aren't filled in Bible-believing churches because because Americans want to hear prosperity. <laughs> so this is what we get, Right. Um, you look at even government. We have representative government. Um, you know, charis- charisma over character. Um, constantly voting in incumbents. And, and listen, I think that in both parties, persons there too long, they become corrupt. You know, and in this area, just keep voting back. The, uh, put, just put the incumbent back in. And then we read about another politician who's on the take or who's on trial. And, oh, how'd this happen? Oh. Well, you, you gave him or her all that power for all those years. What do you expect? I mean, you know... <laughs> we, have, we have a choice of who to vote and we still make the dumb decisions in our culture. But we continue on. Verse 27. Let's see what happens, you know, in the next year or so. Verse 27. In the 52nd year of Azariah, king of Judah, Pekah, the son of Ramaliah, not to be confused with Pekahiah, okay, if you understand the, P, the Hebrew, these names, the roots, and the, the, you know, the, the endings, it makes more sense, but in the English, it doesn't really translate well. So, Pekah, the son of Ramaliah, became king over Israel in Samaria and reigned 20 years. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord. And he did not depart from the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel sin. In the days of Pekah, king of Israel, Tiglath-Pileser, king of Assyria, came and took Ejon, Abelbeth, Makah, Genoa, Kadesh, Hazor, Gilead, and Galilee, and all the land of Naphtali, and he carried them captive to Assyria. Remember, Sunday, Isaiah's message, it's all coming back. Then Hoshea, the son of Elah, led a conspiracy against Pekah, the son of Ramaliah, and struck and killed him. So he reigned in his place, in the 20th year of Jotham, the son of Uzziah. Now the rest of the acts of Pekah and all that he did. Indeed, they are written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Israel. So Pekah, another king, another assassination. You know, pretty sad. And Pekah and Rezin threatened the southern kingdom of Judah in our Isaiah study. And God said, don't worry, don't worry. It's going to be okay. Um, trust me. You know, and God, after that prophecy, He gave to Isaiah. But a few years later, Pekah and Rezin were a thing of the past. They were done. Their power base was taken from them. Alright? God is always right. Always keeps His word. Verse 32, last few verses. In the second year of Pekah, the son of Remaliah, king of Israel, Jotham, the son of Uzziah, king of Judah, began to reign. So we started in the south. We went to the north through several successive kings. Now we're back in the south again. That's why I left that up there. Pretty soon you'll, you'll get a familiarity with the kings. He was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jerusha, the daughter of Zadok. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. How refreshing. He did according to all that his father Uzziah had done. However, the high places were not removed. The people still sacrificed and burned incense on the high places, he built the upper gate of the house of the Lord, which was knocked down from before him. Um, so he does some great things. Now the rest of the acts of Jotham and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Judah? In those days, the Lord began to send Rezin, king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Remaliah against Judah. So Jotham rested with his fathers and was buried with his fathers in the city of David, his father. Then Ahaz, his son, reigned in his place. Alright, so the reign of Jotham in Judah. Good guy. Um, last guy we kind of see here. does mention Ahaz, but not a lot. Verse 37 and 38, God sends Pekah of Israel and Rezin of Syria against the southern kingdom. Most likely, if you have that question, why did he do that? Why did he let them come to power and harass the south? Although they didn't break through Jerusalem. It was only... Um, Rudimentary or surface it wasn 't anything real deep, but second chronicles twenty seven two says that the people were still acting corruptly, even though Jotham was in so here you' got a good king comes in, and um, the people are just not responding to his leadership, all right so the good king Jotham dies, and Judah is left with ahaz who 's a wicked king. Just want to leave you with this, leave you on a high note. <laughs> All these assassinations. Second Chronicles twenty seven six. Well, with all these assassinations, I would say, first of all, choose your friends wisely and your associates. This is good advice, right? Common sense. Second Chronicles twenty seven, six tells us, quote, King Jotham, good guy, southern kingdom, became mighty because he prepared his ways before the Lord his God. So if, you know, I, I did title the message Character Matters, right? Because character does matter. And if nothing else, you, you might come in here on the surface and say, I don't know, all these kings, I can't really get into this. But if you really look beyond the surface, especially look at some of these verses, what you see is compare and contrast, right? A bunch of bad guys, two good guys, flanking all the bad kings. And I think the writer of the Scripture does that on purpose, Right? You, you see this constant comparison. And when this guy was in the southern kingdom, this guy came to power in the northern kingdom. And he kind of does that back and forth thing. And you've got to read it a few times to get it. But King Jotham became mighty because he prepared his ways before the Lord his God. Great lesson for us. Are we preparing our ways before the Lord our God? Because we can be a Christian in disobedience. We can be a Christian who grieves the Holy Spirit, who quenches the Holy Spirit. You know That's above my pay grade. It's not my job to, root, to ferret that out. That's for every believer in prayer and the word to decide, am I preparing my ways before the Lord my God or am I not? And I think if we're honest with ourselves, we'll have an answer. It's a great lesson. You know, and, and you see, again, this contrast between good and bad. The bad, these guys, they didn't know who they could trust. They didn't know when their next day was going to be their last day. About, what about the one guy? He's there for 30 days. He's there for a month. He's dead. <laughs> well, was it worth it? You know what I'm saying? Uh, when, when they honored God, God honored them. Right? And I can tell you that I'm almost at the age where I've lived 25, 26 years as an unbeliever. Did all kinds of stupid... It's amazing I'm still alive. And I mean that. Right? And then I've lived another 24 years as a Christian. And every once in a while, I either have a dream or a memory of this old life of this person I don't know anymore. You know what I'm saying? So I just look back at my life and I'm like, I I give him glory because I'm still alive. And I'm not maimed. Uh, Sometimes I share what I I used to do from the pulpit, but I'll I'll leave that for another time. So I can tell you, preparing the two, and some of my friends were really treacherous. They were characters. Um, I had this one friend when we would go out and we'd we'd drink and we did a lot of stuff. This one friend, you got to watch him, when when he drank too much, he would literally turn on us. He'd have a fist fight. I remember fist fighting the guy, you know what I'm saying? Um, He was a great guy when he was sober, but when that happened, you know, he'd sucker punch you. (laughs) So You're like, these are the people that I ran with, you know what I'm saying? Um, Different life now, you know, completely different. If I saw him again, I'd lead him to the Lord, but he went all the way out to the the Midwest. Bottom line is, are we preparing our ways before the Lord? You know, character matters. Let's pray.
0: You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfields. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road in Jamesburg, New Jersey. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays we have children's church for all ages in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening and may God bless you.